This is the final word daily, looking at the test match between England and New Zealand at Edgebaston, which is where Adam Collins is. Not where I am. I'm Jeff Lemon. I'm somewhere else. But Adam has the holy stand behind him, and he's going to tell you what happened on the first day in 30 seconds or less. The first day with big crowds, it was incredible here at Edgbaston. England at 258 for seven at the close. They didn't lose a wicket in the first session, but they lost four in the second, three in the third. Rory Burns top scored with 81. He batted at 67 in that first session with Dom Sibley, who made 35, but they couldn't really go on with it thanks to some fantastic New Zealand bowling from Matt Henry, Trent Bolt, Neil Wagner, and the spinner Patel playing a game he didn't expect to play, but Mitchell Santner was injured. He's taken his full opportunity here today, and tomorrow Dan Lawrence resumes on 67. He's in good nick. Perfect. I reckon that was 26 seconds. That felt, uh, you know, that was very lean. You're shaving time off your personal best. Now, um, today, dare I say it, dare I get into this phrasing, good old-fashioned test cricket. I mean, it did the things the test cricket's supposed to do. It had twists, it had turns, it went one way, it went the other. Uh, It had periods of dogged resistance, it had moments of flair, um, and it had quality bowling with a lot of swing and seam movement uh, and a little bit of spin in there as well. It was the full uh, Whitaker's box of chocolates with something for everybody. Yeah, I think that's right. Certainly that first, say, 45 minutes after lunch, it was very dark here. The lights were on and the, the New Zealand seamers stepped it up a notch, especially Matt Henry, who I mentioned in the intro. He couldn't mm-hmm. have bowled better after lunch, breaking up the opening partnership in the first over after the interval, getting Dom Sibley's outside edge. Uh, and then the way that Wagner set up Crawley, expert bowling from the left armour coming in from the broadcast end, moving it away, moving it in, moving it in, moving it away. How often do you see it? And a man out of form, Mm -hmm. as Crawley is at the moment, he was bound to edge one and he did straight to third slip, out for nothing. And then later, history almost repeated with Bracey, who has two test innings and and two ducks to his name from just three Mm -hmm. deliveries. That was Trent Bolt, the other left armour after T. So um, those mini sessions almost mirrored each other. Um, Between times, Burns, as much, much as he did last week, really, he he watched the damage from the non-strikers end. He continued to bat really nicely till about 60, and then it got really hard for him. He looked quite fluent until that point, but fell for 81. And then Lawrence, much the same. He struggled for his first, say, 15 to 20 runs, got through the tough bit, got better mm-hmm. as the day went on, and played really nicely against a second new ball. He's still there with Mark Wood when play resumes tomorrow. Uh, they took the score from 222 for seven to 258 for seven, which for mine probably means honours even after, yeah, as you say, a day that did have a number of fluctuations throughout. Yeah, I'd I'd say England ahead at this point, given the strength Mm. of their bowling attack and the amount the ball swung. So looking at the teams, this was interesting. When's the last time you saw six changes for a test team between matches? New Zealand had a a couple of enforced because Kane Williamson had to pull out with a sore elbow and BJ Watling with a sore back. But you figure, had this been the World Test Championship final, those two players wouldn't have been sitting out with those injuries. It was more managing sort of niggling injuries rather than things that would have stopped them playing playing but then they revamped yep. the whole bowling attack as well and Daryl Mitchell came in as the all-rounder for Colin Grandon which I wasn't expecting um, but he's got a great record domestically Daryl Mitchell although mm. he's only played the four tests so you know he, he's someone who could stand to have more time in that test team beautifully today, Mitchell. In fact, he did almost exactly the same role that the Grandholm did last week. Just mm. an extra yard or so. Uh, I think he bowled 10 overs for 20-odd runs, which was exactly what uh, made the Grandholm so effective uh, last week, especially in England's first inning. So, uh, look, there, there was uh, a method to it. As you say, they've got one eye to the World Test Championship final next week, thus Williamson, thus BJ Watling. Mitchell Sartner would have missed with the cut finger, but then Kyle Jamison made way. 
uh, Tim mm-hmm. Southey made way and the Grand Hole made way. So six changes, Jeff. The last time I remember that happening was after the Hobart debacle for Australia back in 2016. They made six mm. changes. But that was a very different yep. environment. This is more Did, n- didn't not, they not completely make strategically. I, I thought it was five and it was going to be six, but Nathan Lyon uh, ended oh, right. up keeping his spot because Steve O'Keefe did a calf muscle. So I think it was okay, six sorry, planned. I, but. I remembered it as six, but yeah, okay, five, five it was. But still, you're right, the, the, the degree of volatility. As for England, Jack Leach misses out in, in, in the starting 11 again. I could kind mm. of understand it at Lords, given the way the pitch has played there through the early season in the county championship. It's been a legitimate green seamer there, so you can kind of sense why they tried it on there. But this mm. is a genuinely straw-coloured pitch. Well, we saw a Jazz Patel getting legitimate turn. Uh, and England don't have that option. Not a frontliner. Joe Root will have a lot of work to do, but they go with the four quicks. The hometown boy, Ollie Stone, gets to play a test match in England for just the second time. And they kept the big three from last week, Anderson, Brood and Anderson, Broad and Wooden, of course, Robinson's mm. been suspended. So, yeah, that was interesting at the selection table. And I suppose they're going to have um, a decision that's made a fraction easier for them, maybe, because Crawley's so out of form. And Bracey, obviously, will be b- replaced by Butler. It's unlikely he would have played anyway. So, Dan Lawrence mm. picked a, a great time uh, to play what is probably his best innings for England so far in the circumstances. I mean, he played very yeah. well on debut as well. I don't want to diminish that innings. But, I mean, that was really tough work today. New Zealand bowled so well either side of T. Yeah, it was pretty curious with the spin selection, particularly given, say, think of the Ashes test a couple of years ago, Nathan Lyon bowled out England on the last day. Um, England had Joe Denley doing a huge amount of the bowling work Mm. as an additional spinner at that point. uh, You sort of get the impression that Chris Silver would just uh, either he doesn't rate spin or he doesn't rate the spinners available to him at the moment because it, it's all just yeah. just go with pace but but Trent Bolt coming in to the side after his his aborted IPL going back home to New Zealand for a little bit coming over and doing all of the quarantines and all the rest of it um, and the New Zealand camp saying that he wouldn't play in this game and then him saying no no I will play in this game thanks very much mm, uh, mm. bowled really nicely off the top got swing didn't get wickets and then it was up to Matt Henry, who I, I was minded a lot of, of his opening spell against India in the World Cup semi-final for Ed, Edgebaston a couple of years ago, because he he just or was that at Old Trafford? Sorry, um, but it, he just bowled beautifully in that same sort of way. And once he found his radar, it was that back of a length, that little bit of seam, um, and picking up the edges when he was able to to get that little bit of lateral movement. Yeah, the point remains. You're right. I mean, Henry hasn't got a particularly good test record, frankly, but he has got a good record in England. For Kent, he took in excess of 70 wickets a couple of years ago. As you say, in the World Cup in 2019, he was very important in the semi-final and the final at the start, and he was just about unplayable in that first spell. So a little bit of a horses for courses selection. Maybe he's in contention for next week as well. I mean, we're assuming that Jameson, Southey, Bolt, Wagner are the the four horsemen, so to speak, but um, Henry bowled delightfully today. We haven't even mentioned the Joe Root dismissal. I mean, that was a gorgeous bit of bowling. And Blundell had some work to do moving to his right. One of two excellent catches. Ollie Pope was out to the spin of Patel. I mean, the way that he cut the first, or attempted to cut the first ball of the over, it went through, mm-hmm. well, I say, third slip. And exactly the same shot was his downfall. Not a lot of footwork. Well, I guess it was a lot of movement, but mm-hmm. not back and across. It was kind of deep in the crease and got the under edge. And again, Blundell, a fantastic bit of glove work. So <laughs> despite the fact, I don't know if you saw the team sheet on social media, Jeff, but the, the team sheet actually had Watling's name marked in and it was scribbled mm. out and Blundell's name was written on top so it shows how late that decision was made uh, to leave out the veteran wicketkeeper who of course is playing in his final test series but uh, Blundell great behind the sticks when it mattered most taking those chances and complimented a, a wonderful effort from the bowling group and the slips as well good snaffle from Mitchell good one from Latham I mean 
on the whole, uh, they did a lot right today. They probably deserved to bowl England out with a, with a bit of extra luck with the second new ball, but um, that's down to Lawrence and Wood uh, holding things together uh, in the final 45 minutes. Yeah, so it was 6 for 175 when Bracey got out, and at that point yep. you're thinking, well, New Zealand can go through England for about 200 here. Yeah, added, yeah. Added 83 for those last two wickets, and, and could be more because you know the Mark Wood partnership is still going. He'll resume tomorrow. Um, and, and that seems to me I, I think that New Zealand might struggle to go much beyond 200 on this surface if the ball swings. It can get easier to bat at Edgebaston on day two and three, but uh, given the sort of swing bowling armoury they're up against. But I wanted to ask you about Hachas Patel because yeah. I, I was very tickled by watching... I, I hadn't watched him live in a test match before. He's, he's played eight tests before, but uh, mostly in the UAE and so on. Uh, but I've never seen a bowler do so little in terms of the approach. He literally walks <laughs> to the crease and not in the sort of Shane Warne menacing prowl with a big drive through the front leg. He just s- strolls up and then plops a little left armour down, has no follow-through. He'll never bowl a no ball because he bowls from about two feet behind the bowling crease. It is the most <laughs> unthreatening approach I've ever seen. It is completely park cricket. Um, and, and then he lobs him up and he lands him pretty nicely on a length and he picked up a couple of wickets. Yeah, his straight ball was so good today. You're spot on about the approach. It's like Jadeja, but at least with Jadeja, there's a little bit of theatre about his final mm. step and how he pivots. Uh, Ajaz Patel doesn't pivot. We talked to him about it just then at the end of play. I, I caught a couple of minutes with him across the boundary mm-hmm. rope uh, for radio. And, I mean, he's obviously chuffed to be in the wickets on day one. He thought he'd be playing a holding role. But, I mean, the nature of it was that there wasn't a lot of turn. There was some at times, but it was largely his natural variation from around the wicket to the right-handers. And maybe there's something about the innocuous approach that means that can catch a batsman mm-hmm. off, off guard as it probably did um, Ollie Pope early in his spell so early in his second spell I should say after lunch so uh, look as far as his contribution wonderful I'm enjoying seeing someone that's so kind of relatable I mean he's not exactly a ball of muscle is he he's kind of like he's a, he's, he's a, a relatively modest looking guy like he looks like he could be at the pub with you or me um, and bowling off three steps and yet very effective at test level proving once again that uh, cricket takes all types. Uh, speaking of exactly that, let's talk Sibley and Burns. Um, hard to love <laughs> as, as a pairing. 67 runs in the first session. I was doing the, the live blog on The Guardian for that. And <laughs> what can I say? I can say I spend a lot of time having correspondence with uh, readers <laughs> because there wasn't a lot to talk about. Um, no. But, and, and there was, I was having that feeling that they were one of those partnerships that, that didn't hurt you enough for the time they spent at the crease. When the wicket started to go down, mm. it felt like this opening pair haven't done enough with the time that they've been in but maybe they had in the end uh, because Burns stuck it out and, and he he looked better and better uh, as the, not not through the entire innings but there was a point during the middle of his innings where he looked really good and he was taking on the ball square of the wicket more driving through point that's also what brought him undone in the end going after a wider one and uh, short of another what might have been another hundred after his turn in the first game but you know he looks in good nick um, I don't know. What, what's your read on, on that pair and, and their effectiveness, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, you're right. The first session, it was it was sluggish in the same way the pitch was sluggish. Thus, it was hard to time the ball. Sibley was probably the more fluent of the two until about mm. the hour mark. And then Burns went up the gears and, and looked a lot better after lunch, albeit with wickets around him. So, uh, look, it, I suppose the question is, are they going to be able to make you pay big time? 
and I don't think that's been conclusively answered yet. Like, I think it's a good point you raised. They batted together for 32 overs, added 67, and a couple of wickets fallen. You know, you wonder how effective it really was. The mm. pitch wasn't doing anything special today. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we expect to come to Edgbaston and it's a seam around a lot, as it does at Trent Bridge, it wasn't that kind of pitch. It won't be that kind of pitch, which again kind of brings into focus the, the four seamers for England without a spin option, because it probably will take the turn uh, later in the match, I'd expect. But yeah, at least with Sibley... Uh, acknowledging his aesthetic shortcomings. His approach mm-hmm. works. I mean, his straight drive goes through mid-wicket. And once you realign your brain... <laughs> I mean, I was on commentary today at one stage. Give you a little vignette, a little example of that. He, okay. I was on commentary at one stage behind him, and it looks like he'd hacked a ball through mid, uh, inside portion of the bat through mid-wicket. And I said something to that effect. You know, uh, miscues through mid-wicket inside part of the blade, something like that. Mm-hmm. I watched the replay. He actually hit it really nicely at the middle of the bat. It went for four. <laughs> the reason that it looked the way that it did is that that's not a conventional way to play an on-drive. But mm. for him, it's essentially a straight drive because he's so far around. So, mm. I mean, there's a really interesting philosophical debate going on in England at the moment about batting techniques, about setting up on off stump. He doesn't do that. He opens himself up more in order to yeah. access the area of the ground where he can be most productive. So, um, look, it's it's never going to be pretty in the way that you and I would think about glamorous cricket. Um, mm. It's just different. In, in the same way, by the way, that um, Dan Lawrence is different in a far more exciting way. I thought his innings today was super important for him, especially after Crawley's failure. We talked about the way that Wagner set him up, but the reality is is that Crawley's got uh, four runs in three innings and probably is the vulnerable member of the top six with Butler and Stokes coming back for the first test against India. So the pressure to an extent transfers onto Lawrence at that stage. Mm-hmm. Can you grasp that chance? Mm-hmm. And he did. He's still there, at, not out over, overnight on 67 from 100 balls. I think he struck 10 boundaries, some really nice ones through cover, showing that he's more than just sort of a, a one-trick pony whipping through mid-wicket. He can access the offside uh, with his technique in an efficient way. And I think that, look, tomorrow, he's not going to get much better mm-hmm. an opportunity to stamp his authority on a spot in the top six than a century uh, in a crucial test match for England as far as the series is concerned. Well, even the runs that he's made so far. We may talk about him more in just a second when we decide who's the player of the day for day one. And we also have to decide which more weird moment goes into the final word (laughs) Hall of Fame. Let's do that after 10 seconds spent thinking about cricket bats. Woodstock Cricket, home of the finest handmade cricket bats and soft goods. Visit either our showroom or workshop and experience the magic for yourselves. For bookings, contact info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. It's the f- it's the final word daily with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins, player of the day. Dan Lawrence is certainly a chance. I particularly liked the way that uh, when he came in, a few balls into his innings, he just backed away from Arjas Patel and drove him off his stumps out to the cover boundary as if <laughs> to say, oh, well, screw it. I'm just going to have a go today and see what works. And it did work. He's still there at stumps and he's, he's played a really important hand. I loved sitting next to Phil Walker, our friend who edits the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, on commentary. I mean, Dan Lawrence is his boy in the same way that Glenn Maxwell's our boy. So he rides mm-hmm. every delivery. He wants it to work. He's emotionally invested in the outcome. And I think that's fine, by the way. I think, as I said on the call, you're entitled to have a player or two who you really feel deeply for, and that's Phil with Lawrence. And you can see when Lawrence was going across mm-hmm. his stumps to access mid-wicket on a couple of occasions, Phil had his heart in his mouth, not because he doesn't have faith in his boy, but just that, you know, that is yep. a ball that if it misses... The 
the bat, your leg before wicket. But yes, excellent today, as I mentioned before. Um, took the opportunity, has a chance to press on. My player of the day is actually Matt Henry. Um, I yep. don't know what his figures are at the close of play, but getting Sibley just when the game could have drifted, and it threatened to do so in much the same way England's second innings did on Sunday, and then getting Joe Root after setting him up nicely. I mean, not setting him up to the extent to which he went in, out, in, out, but he bowled a number of mm. big in-swingers and off-cutters and then gets Root with the one that goes the other way. So, I mean, you've got to be a pretty useful bowler to get Joe Root out at the best of times, but um, to get him out early in the innings, when, as I say, mm-hmm. the clouds were, were forming and the lights were on, uh, that really did open England up. So I've got Matt Henry having come into the side somewhat unexpectedly and another player who took his chance today. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Two for 66, but quite a lot of those runs were extras where he had a couple yeah. of ragged overs. And, and it was the length he bowled to Root that was perfect. Like he, He'd obviously learned from what Pat Cummins did uh, against Joe Root. That length is the perfect one when you're, you're trying to get Joe Root unsure about whether to go forward or back. Uh, in terms of Hall of Fame moments, I liked the bit on commentary where they brought up a graphic and they said, Dom Sibley has not scored... They had his wagon wheel for the entire series and he hadn't scored a run <laughs> between mid-on and backward point in the entire series. In, in, in the next over, he clatters two boundaries through cover and then follows up with a cut shot through cover a couple of overs later off the spinner. Um, so it was like he was listening in. It was a beautiful little uh, moment of, of symmetry um, with, uh, with the history of Dom Sibley and the offside. I love the surprise on commentary. I've heard a couple of different versions of that boundary through point where I was like, oh, it's a, it's a square drive from Dom Sibley. It was lovely to sort of see people um, exclaim as, at once behind the microphone, mm-hmm. given how unlikely that was. <laughs> um, my, my Hall of Fame is simply what a great experience it was having um, the Holly stand and just generally having Edgbaston, I think it was uh, 70% full, 18,000 fans. I mean, they're not everyone's cup of tea and I get that, but they're kind of my cup of tea. I love the singing and carrying on all day. Yeah, a lot of them might not not be cricket fans 365 days a year mm-hmm. but I, I don't think our game in this country especially can afford to be overly snobbish about that um, I think that they um, were wonderful entertainment value in their own right and also the back and mm-hmm. forth uh, with Patel on the boundary there who was conducting the choir as it were at one stage he loved it um, they were good to the New Zealand players they loved Neil Wagner how can you not it was all in good spirit all in good fun and it was yeah a good reminder um, of what a fantastic ground this is especially when people are in it so uh, hopefully more of it across the next few days it's meant to be great weather so i'm sure they'll be uh, close to capacity each day if uh, if you know any more songs maybe teach them a few more songs that's all i can say yes um, ab- we were singing that. along <laughs> we were singing izzy, izzy and i were in front of them at stumps and we were singing along with them it's it's too catchy i had to go with it <laughs> all right this is the final word daily we'll be doing this each day of the test match our longest shows are on the podcast feed and elsewhere on the youtube channel thanks for watching uh, rating subscribing all that stuff we appreciate it uh, we'll see you on day two the final word bye